On this edition of the Scott Radley Show podcast, Bob Cowan of CHCH Morning Live joins us to talk about all kinds of things from flags being raised to books being banned to fashion. Yes, Bob and Scott will talk fashion. Sort of. Stay tuned. Today on the Scott Radley Show on 900 CHML. We do something on this show we call the brightest conversation in Hamilton Radio every Friday. We talk about a whole lot of things that have been going on in the world, and we always bring in someone who is able to offer opinions and insights and voice on these things. And I got to tell you, excited about today's because I know this guy is great at this. We've had him on before. He was fantastic. You know him because you, I'm sure, watch... um, CHCH Morning Live. I almost gave the name of Rick Zamperin's show here on, on CHML. Not Good Morning Hamilton. CHCH Morning Live. His name is Bob Cowan. I'll get it right, Bob. It takes me a little while on a Friday, but I'll get it right eventually. That's funny. Hey, Scott. Thanks for doing this. I do appreciate it. And and if anyone should be goofy at this point, it should be you having been up since three in the morning, but you're you're sounding much more coherent than I am. So we're off to and I always start. I even skip my naps for you, Scott. But is that, that right? Funny though. Yeah, but for a nanosecond, you actually forgot the name of the damn show. But that's, and even though you're a regular contributor now, thanks to the uh, video you sent to us of the uh, woman playing a didgeridoo on the highway. Yes, I, well, I was so I was filling in on why I'm so confused is because last week I was doing Rick Zamperin's morning show here on CHML, which yeah. of course about eight times I almost called the Rick Zamperin show instead of Good Morning Hamilton. So you get confused that way, and then I got to bring yours in. But yes, I was watching you and Annette, and there was that story of the woman who was, uh, pl- she was what charged with playing a flute with two hands on her. Yeah. Yeah. And, and I had driven home on the highway several years ago from the cottage, and we saw a woman driving her compact car playing a didgeridoo. <laughs> <laughs> you know, there's got to be a PSA campaign about that. This is happening far too often. Too many didgeridoos being yes. played. Too I was many most wind impre- instruments. Too many wind instruments. I the most impressive part about it was that she could fit the didgeridoo in the car at the right angle and still drive and play. I mean, I, I don't I, I don't endorse it, but I was impressed. Yeah, but crazy stuff on the road these days. We had a plane landing on the 407. Yep, and did you hear about the... Uh, that was the about a dollar in-, in toll fees too, by the way, for the distance it went. <laughs> yeah, I wonder if they are going to find that one and go, hey, same for everyone. <laughs> yeah. But the other one was, I think, in Burlington or Oakville today, there was a Lamborghini. Did you hear about the story? Yeah. What was it? 144 clicks or something? 144 kilometers an hour in a 70 zone. And there happened to be a cop parked on the side of the road, I guess. And he said it sounded like a hurricane was coming. So he turned on his his, uh, radar gun. Yeah. We've had, Bob, we've had, you're a car guy and I know you love cars. And yeah. so, you know, Lamborghini, I'd love to be able to drive a Lamborghini and probably take it somewhere where I could unload it and, and go fast. But we've had these stories coming up now. I, I bet once a month of somebody pulled over for driving some crazy speed. We get this yeah. regularly now. And what Honestly, so what crazy. should happen to these people? Well, I mean, they keep ramping up, you know, the fines and, and you know, the measures against it. And, and it's still happening. Like, what do you have to do? I mean, it, it's just absolutely out of control with the uh, street racing going on. See, because you know, Lamborghinis like and cars like exotics like that. I mean, yeah, they're pretty cool. But I always uh, find the very few times I've been able to drive exotic cars, you always feel like a dork getting in and out of them. 
<laughs> I'm sure. I've not, gracefully. I've not done it yet, thankfully. But um, yeah, especially if you're Scottish wearing a kilt, that would be really tough. Um, not a good look. But no, I like I, I, with these ones. This is what I always come back to is. I think everybody, and you know, probably shouldn't admit this while we're on the air, but I'm sure everybody, as they're driving along, you get caught up in the flow of traffic at times, and suddenly you look down and you're doing 20 kilometers or 25 over, and you yeah. go, "Whoa, got to slow down here." 20 yeah. kilometers an hour, you can get lulled into being going that fast on the road. Going 70 over the speed limit, there is no chance yeah. that you yeah. did not know that was what you were doing. No. Also, when you're going at that speed, you can't react in time to anything. No, anything that jumps, like, forget it, you know, um, it's, it's just like, it might as well be a missile going down the street. Yeah. But again, like if you're going that fast, so you're, you have to be aware of how fast you're driving, or at least even if you don't know exactly, there's no way you can possibly say, I didn't realize I was going over the speed limit. There's no way to me. And that's where they're ramping up the fines and street racing. I mean, what it's still continuing. It doesn't seem to be a deterrent. What if they said we you, we take your car and you don't get it back? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, it should come to that. It really should. Yeah. And again, I'm talking for the excessive. And I'm not talking for someone who's caught 25 over. I mean, that's no, ridiculous. No, no. But that's. Oh yeah. We've all done that. I find, oh yeah, and I find too. Like you know, just uh, you know, with uh, kids in the family or whatever, you know, learning how to drive. You know, before their driver's test and. You know, uh, you know, watch the speed limit, stay to the posted limit, and when they do, they're actually holding up traffic, which is kind of bad. Like, the flow of traffic seems to be 20 kilometers per hour higher than whatever is posted these days. Yeah, I don't know. I've seen enough of these now, and you're right. There's, there's no way you can react if you're going that fast. And thankfully that I can recall, none of the ones in this area that I can recall, maybe there have been, have led to horrific accidents yet, but it's inevitable. It's inevitable. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I'm, I'm almost at the point where I would say, I would not object to the government saying, if you are driving at a speed limit that is so fast that there's no way you could possibly argue you didn't know you were doing it. Right. Maybe take the car and say, you don't get it back. Yeah. Impound it for good. And then give it to CHCH Morning Live to auction off to its viewers. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I thought you were going to say auction off to us or give give to us. Yeah. Yeah. Sell it for charity for sure. Either that or, you know what? I'm sure that CHML could use a new news car and a Lamborghini would be an awesome (laughs) news car to drive around to. The news on time. (laughs) Oh, it would be on time. All right. Although we may have it a, a bit, uh, taken away from us before too long and someone else would then get a crack at it under my rules. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. One of the stories that is uh, it's being talked about now, and I, I have a feeling it's going to get talked about an awful lot more over the next couple of weeks or so until Remembrance Day, is the decision, the discussion about what to do with Canadian flags on federal buildings and other places. Because typically, traditionally historically remembrance day early in the morning i think it's 11 a.m the flag is lowered to half mast and then at six o'clock or something it's brought back up but you can't lower a flag to half staff if it's already at half staff for the graves that were found in kamloops and elsewhere what do you do about this exactly that's a, a collision with something we do every year and i I wonder when the decision was made, you know, and people agreed that it was appropriate to lower the flag uh, upon that uh, horrific discovery. But 
at the time the decision was made, like, you know, was that considered down the road? Okay, things like Remembrance Day, what do we do? You know, was it kind of knee-jerk, you know, and was that not anticipated? Well, that and, I mean, look, what happens if a great Canadian dies? I mean, typically a, a leader or if the queen, I mean, look, right. we're hoping we're hoping the queen is going to be healthy for a long time, but she's 95 and has had some health problems. Heaven forbid what happens if the queen dies. Tipi- historically, it's part of our rules that the flag would be lowered for the monarch. Like, no, I, 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 I just think it's performance earlier, like, art. Yeah, retired General uh, Rick Hillary, he said uh, exactly what you said earlier. You can't lower the flag um, unless you raise it. So uh, I wonder if, you know, even a gesture the day before, if these two very important meanings, you know, um, acknowledge each other and, and there's some accommodation. I suppose. And, and look, that would be better than nothing. But I truly, I, I look at what's going on with this now and I, and I agree and I think that I would expect that everybody listening who has any kind of decency would say, yes, it was, it was a proper gesture to lower the flag when those graves were discovered. Uh, I, I, I've never heard anybody argue that it wasn't an appropriate gesture, but no, like polls are saying that um, there is a majority now saying it's time to consider raising them again. Strong majorities of people. Yeah. And, and in because, fact, some, like Mo, there's Mohawk veterans in Quebec who, at their legion, they've already raised the flag. They had a 30-day mourning period for Kamloops. So if if veterans who are of Indigenous descent are already saying, hey, we've taken our flags back up, it makes sense to us, why would it not make sense to... I mean, this is why I believe, honestly, that what's going on right now is unfortunately little more than performance art. It's it's to show how sorry we are. We're not actually going to do anything to fix anything, but we're going to show how sad right. we are and how sorry we are. To me, it's 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 nothing more than show. Right, and, and yeah, and, and that's not what you know we need right now. We need action now. And the prime minister said, like hey, this was left open and left to indigenous groups to decide when the flag will go up. But, you know, as far as uh, the government is concerned or the Trudeau government is concerned, um, they want the uh, goals of reconciliation met. Well, that's a long road and it's not a box to be ticked. There's a lot of things and uh, that's not reasonable to keep the flags lowered for that length of time to heal this. Well, and Bob, look, when he says, and, and I, we all heard what he said, that he wants the, it's when the indigenous people tell him to put the flags up, he'll do it again. Yeah. I don't know. I don't have, know off the top of my head how many different bands there are and how many band councils and how many. Right. But never in the history of Canada on any issue that I can recall, has there been unanimity from the indigenous no. people. You have indigenous people who want pipelines built because they say right. this would give us economic opportunities. Others say, no, yeah. you can't do it. How, so to make that statement as open-ended enough to them, yeah. that leaves it potentially that it's just, you know, a drift and no resolution to it, you know, and there has to be leadership there. Uh, if you say that it's up to Indigenous people, you, I think, have to then say, who is the Indigenous people? Who's the leader? Who are the voices that will speak on behalf then, as opposed to yeah. leaving this thing with just that, that broad, yeah. almost and, meaningless you know, descriptor? Right. And I don't think it should be this insurmountable hump because certainly, um, you know, um, 
First Nations are, are you know, as much involved in Remembrance Day, you know, and, yes. and this is important to everyone. And I really believe, Bob, I really do believe that if the flags stay down so that it doesn't get, they don't get lowered for Remembrance Day, that is an absolute slap and insult and um, whatever else you want to say to veterans everywhere. And, and I, you know, like you can say, well, on balance, you know, the Indigenous thing is more important. I, I'm, it's important, but I'm not sure that every yeah. Canadian is going to say it's more important. No, no, not at all. But I mean, like I said earlier, is there any way we can have some sort of accommodation where it goes up the day before, down to recognize Remembrance Day, and remaining down as we continue to, uh, you know, acknowledge the uh, tragedy of uh, Kamloops and other residential schools? But, you know, just an accommodation to pay respects on Remembrance Day. I, I just don't think that's insurmountable. But again, it takes some leadership. There's another issue here. We only have a minute or so left here, but there's one other issue, and that is, is it is it um, healthy for a country to essentially be living in a state of mourning, even when when the leader of the country dies, or when there's a when nine eleven happened yeah. or something else, the flags stay down for a period of time, and then you said that is the period of mourning. Now right. we have to get, even though it's sad and horrible, we have to get back yeah. to. I'm not sure that it's healthy to no, just constantly because over an extended period. Yes, we uh, acknowledge, uh, and, and the key is to learn, but to have yep. the flags down and our heads down uh, for that length of time. No, I, I don't think it is healthy, and it, it's not. Um, you know, it, it's not getting any closer to the goalpost to healing. You no, know, and, and to, it becomes meaningless. Is required. And it becomes meaningless. When yeah. you see the flag down at half staff and you're driving your car and you see it at the school or wherever else, you go, oh, mm-hmm. I, I do this all the time. I'm driving, not right now because it's always down, but oh, mm-hmm. what, what did I miss? Or what happened? Who, what do I have to find? Now it's just, oh, fl- you don't even notice it anymore. And that, again, becomes a problem. This is a symbol that is supposed to catch our eye. That's why the flag is at half staff. It catches right. our eye. Yeah. And I think it's more important that uh, the uh, items in the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Report from uh, education to, uh, you know, um, treaties and, uh, you know, there's a a whole list of things to be dealt with and just to see action there. That's what people want to see. You know, they don't want to see the flag. I don't know. I just I I agree with you to have it for an extended open ended period down like that. It's not good for the for the uh, country's psyche and it's not getting anything done. There you go. I mean, I, we're in agreement on this one, and, and I think I think that the vast majority, honestly, of Canadians are too. And we'll we'll see this. This there's no way to me that and we got to run. There's no way that the government is going to not have this flag lowered on Remembrance Day. I, I just that would be, yeah, insanity. But it's yeah. what happens. So I, I think afterwards. we'll be hearing something on this very soon. I I think you're right. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. This story, boy, this next one. Uh, knew nothing about this, saw this written about, and um, all I can say is, wow, Here, here's the story. There is the Waterloo Region School Board has begun a culling of books from its 121 school libraries under the guise or under the idea of saying that they are trying to get rid of any books that are considered harmful to students. And when I read this, honestly, I, I mean, I'm not 
totally shocked that this would happen these days. But, it, but when you you think of book burning, it sets off exactly. a lot of bells exactly. And, yeah. This to me seems like, even though I get where we are in society and I get all the sensibilities and everything else, yeah, you would yeah. think but that education system, education systems, schools, school boards, universities should be the place where we should be standing are standing strongest, having the firewall against this kind of thing, against the idea of getting rid of literature and getting rid of ideas because they don't conform. Right. And, you know, I mean, you know, you don't have to look far for content that's deemed inappropriate, but a number of things have to be considered. Um, the process, first of all, has to be transparent because often with these things, the books just disappear. So, you know, there's got to be input from stakeholders, and that includes parents and taxpayers and the like. But uh, also the other uh, important thing is context, you know. And when it's used properly, it's, it's a teaching tool in itself and engages critical thinking, right? Oh, well, of course it does. And, and, and the, the inevitability of this is that some of the books that will be gotten rid of because they don't conform to modern acceptability will be books that are actually either classics uh you know yeah. something like tom sawyer will you know probably be yeah. gone or or to, to kill, kill a mockingbird yeah which which you know this is this is this is one that i always go back to because every time someone screams that you got to get rid of to kill a mockingbird because it uses words that we may not well we definitely don't use today or we don't uh, the whole point of To Kill a Mockingbird is arguing against racism. It's an allegory against racism. Exactly. It's and Harper Lee said just that because this reaction actually was even happening in the 60s. And she had to respond to it in certain jurisdictions. It is. But, you know, there's is, a lot of levels there with To Kill a Mockingbird in, in particular, you know, and in particular these days, um, you know, the white savior tropes, you know, and and such but again it's an entrance and a teaching tool the context of it and it's an allegory as you say so that you know it's to learn from but i go to so your point that you say well you have to be transparent and you have to have input from parents or whomever well first of all it doesn't sound like there's in, input from anybody except for whoever the star chamber is that's determining this and i don't know who right. how it's working yeah. Yeah. But look, where's the where is the line that you would say, OK, where like literally if anything could offend anybody, does that mean it has to be gotten rid of? Because I can tell you, if that's the case, there will be no books left in a library because exactly. someone is always offended by everything or something. Exactly. It's, it's such a slippery slope. And I understand that it's with the best intentions most of the time. But what trumps that is intellectual freedom. So you start saying, okay, we can't have any book that might have racist language in it. Well, I think that's probably under most circumstances a reasonable thing. But, mm -hmm. you know, if you make a hard and fast rule again, to kill a mockingbird suddenly is gone. And then you say, well, it can have nothing that would um, have any ideas of sexist behavior. Well, yeah. okay. Um, what do we count as sexist behavior? Any Anything that has men in positions of power more than women or uh like it's it's how you then define what the line becomes and that slope becomes real slippery real fast oh yeah absolutely yeah um and so many titles have come up handmade self for crying out loud and that would be offensive 
Yeah, well, yeah. Um, you know, it's deemed anti-Christian by many and uh, loads of sex in it. But again, um, it's the value is immeasurable, you know, of that book and what can be learned from it, obviously, like 1984 and so many other well, books. There are many cultures that would be uh, opposed to the idea of witchcraft. Mm-hmm. So you would presumably then have to say we can't have any Harry Potter books in our school and library. That, is, that has happened, Scott, in some jurisdictions. Sure, it happened but, in the West. but if you then say, well, wait a second, that's ridiculous because, you know, just deal with it. This is, well, how can you tell one group that what offends you has to be gotten rid of, but tell another group what offends you, too bad, suck it up. That Now you've got yourself a situation, and this is the whole problem with this kind of thing, who is making the determination about whose offense rises to a large enough level that they can't be offended or that that book has to be gotten rid of? You walk right. into a, a an absolute hornet's nest with this. Absolutely. You know, and often what they're doing is they're not outright banning them. But uh, like in the case of Peel, they discouraged teachers to introduce The Kill a Mockingbird. And discouraged was an uppercase. And so... It might as well be banned. Well, and okay, so if it's not banned, how many kids today, Bob, go to the public library downtown and take out a book? I would argue not very many. Right. Not very many. So if that book is not in the school library, it's highly likely that that kid or those kids are not going to read that book. Not that is their. That's that right. There's a, there's their exposure. So you, yeah, there could be kids that go down and get something out of the public library, but how long is it until the public libraries are under pressure to do this? Yeah. Well, it starts at the schools and again, they have to be uh, introducing the curriculum responsibly and it's all about context, but um, that is more important than, you know, hiding it, banning it. Uh, Yeah. And and I don't care what they say about we're discouraging or we're culling or whatever. If you're getting rid of it and taking it out of the schools, it's, it's essentially, exactly, exactly, exactly. You're, you're telling the kids, first of all, you're telling students, this book is not appropriate. And Mm -hmm. we know that what will happen now is that if some kid were to say, I'm going to do a book report on To Kill a Mockingbird, we come back to that one because it's an obvious one. Um, yeah. How long until a teacher says that's I'm not going to let you do that one because that I, I I find that book offensive, or another right. kid says you're racist for reading that book and and we should yeah, be the, encouraging. The yeah, we should be encouraging reading discussion. about and learning about different opinions. Right, absolutely. The discussion, the historical context, and uh, why it was wrong then, wrong now. Um, there's lots to learn from these books, but not when people aren't exposed to them young people so far the story that i read about this only mentioned that it was the waterloo district school board yeah how much do you want to bet that within the next little while we find out there are other school boards that are doing this already without knowing well that's why it's important that we're talking about it and other people talk about it because again it does set off alarm bells and it has to be a transparent process and the other boards should be wary of going there yeah. And, and and as I said a moment ago, what's going to happen here is I suspect that because it's now the light has been shone on this, probably they will continue, although maybe they will have to put out a list of what books they have got rid of. 
Maybe that's going to yeah. be one of the things that happens to say, here's the ones we've taken out of the library. And then again, well, I think what's going to happen is you're going to get those other parents saying, well, wait, you got rid of that one. I want this one gone. And then they say, well, I want this one gone. And you end up down an impossible, endless road. Yeah. But at the same time, that transparency is key. And there has to be accountability for their decisions on which titles that they uh, think should be removed. And what if a you know, teacher now brings in a book or suggests a book in a curriculum that a parent says, I object to, should that parent then, because someone objects to it, should that book then be also taken out of the mix or who decides if that book is not appropriate? I mean, it's, it's, yeah, opened I mean, the door. that's a topic. That's a discussion between the, the teacher and parent for sure, because it has to be handled delicately. Yeah, but, but you, again, you've opened the door, Bob, you've opened, not yeah. you, but they've opened yeah, yeah, the door yeah. And once you've done that, I don't know how you tell parent X that their objection or their offense is yeah. legitimate and worthy yeah, and parent Y that days. their objection isn't. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This, this to me is a terrible idea, a terrible yeah. idea. Now literature has to be, and intellectual freedom has to be protected. Um, you know, sure. There's some uh, titles that um, there's some extreme titles for, you know, for, you know, whether it's for sexual content or whatever that, you know, uh, children should be protected from, but not ideas. Shouldn't, w- would those books have been in a school library to begin with, though? Probably that's another, not, that's another know, issue. Yeah, yeah, it shouldn't be. But I, I know there's, there's a few titles, and maybe not in Canada, but I know there's a few in the States that were pretty racy that uh, wound up <laughs> on the top 10, uh, you know, challenged or banned list. Yeah, because if your child comes home from their middle school with a copy of the Kama Sutra and says, I took it out of the school library, <laughs> maybe you've got some questions about how it got there in the first place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I could you just say the mom and dad. Better. Yeah, mom and dad are going to be saying, we're going to confiscate that book for two to three <laughs> weeks. <laughs> yeah. Where'd mom and dad go? Yeah, they're they're making sure the school reading material is appropriate. Yeah. The door is locked, though. I don't get it. They haven't been to work in two weeks. What's going on? <laughs> You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Joined this evening by Bob Cowan from CHCH Morning Live, the man you wake up to every morning, which is a weird thing to say for a lot of people. <laughs> maybe not wake up. The next man you see after you wake up maybe a better way to describe it. <laughs> Yeah, I get that a lot. I woke up yeah, this I, morning. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Yeah, the first time someone says that when there's someone who doesn't know you around, it's it's yeah. an awkward thing at a cocktail party. <laughs> it can be. Yeah. By the way, breaking news from uh, Dundas, Scott. I got a power bump here. I was in the dark during that last commercial break, but we're back online now. Uh, that, that has ha- so since we've been doing the show, since I've been doing the show from home twice and now it's only we've been at this for as a 19 20 months so it's only twice but twice i've had the power go out in the middle of the show oh gee once thankfully it was right at the end so ben just sent us off yeah. and, but once ben had to jump in and take over the show and it was awesome yeah. and then you know but things hey technology happens show out of this oh he will he will i mean it's inevitable <laughs> that at some point they're going to go wait ben's way better than scott give him the show what's what are they doing with bradley ben 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 yeah, but you know, it's it, you, you're great at segues. I mean, you you must be a professional TV host because you didn't even know what was coming up next, and you led me right into this one with technology because we learned this week that Mark Zuckerberg and his empire have renamed as Meta. 
Meta. Yes. Meta. Uh, 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 did uh, what do we take from this uh, right now? I look at the now Facebook, the 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 social network is staying still called Facebook. Right, it's so just the larger company. What what do we take from this? Is this do you do well, you see this as him trying to deflect attention from all the problems, or is this just his yeah when you're in savior like view of the world? Yeah, when you're in crisis, you go for a name change. In fact, if I'm ever caught doing something really scandalous. I'm changing my name to Scott Radley. <laughs> you wouldn't be the first. Yes. <laughs> but, I mean, it seems to be, well, there's a couple of things going on here. First of all, it's lame. But also, I think that Zuckerberg is, he wants a distraction from his whistleblower issues and, and get a fresh branding, if that's even possible. But I think he's also, with the whole meta, metaverse thing, I think he's looking for some relevance. Well, and I, you know, meta, you think uh, somehow the word seems to imply to me almost that he, as I said a moment ago, is is applying himself as a savior complex, like bigger than just Facebook. Right. Like this is well, everything well, now. We're going to run the world. Yeah. Well, and here's the thing his, uh, you know, billionaire counterparts like Bezos and Branson, they're going where no billionaires have gone before into space. And Elon Musk is shaping the future on so many fronts. Zuckerberg, he's just a proprietor of endless pictures of your friend's lunch at <laughs> restaurants and, and their pets. <laughs> That's absolutely true. It's absolutely true. You know, somebody pointed out, this is totally off topic, but somebody pointed out a while back, it was a comedian, that they said, you realize that back 100 years ago, people, if you remember the photos of their family photos, people had one photo taken of them in their entire life and they were sitting there yeah. with their family scowling. <laughs> And now, right. and now, if I have a good pasta for lunch, I'll post that to all my friends. We have know, more photos of our salad for lunch yeah. than people had of their entire life. I love my sister-in-law, but I know what she's eating every day <laughs> for lunch. But I look at and I look at this I look at this thing that 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 Zuckerberg is doing, though, and I'm not quite sure I completely understand it. But it, what I do seem to understand of it. It seems as though the idea here is we are going to really create an entire non-real universe and you're going to come along for the ride. And I, I got to say, I maybe he was excited about that. I'm not excited about that possibility. So this is virtual reality where we're actually at that person's lunch watching the meet? Or is it bigger uh, than now, that? Now I'm even less excited. But no, I think it's bigger than that. Yeah, uh, it's but, a whole, yeah, VR thing. Well, and of course, uh, Facebook, uh, Zuckerberg owns Oculus, right? The uh, okay. VR, virtual reality company. I mean, it's tying into so many things, you know, with a, a virtual 3D internet. So we're going to experience the internet in a whole new way. You know, I, this always comes back, Bob, that... that um my family, I mean, we, we, we like your co-host, like Annette Hom. we love Disney World. I, that, you know, maybe I'm, I should be growing it by now, but I love going to Disney World. But you can go on YouTube now, and there are people who, this is their thing, they walk around with a live feed, and for hours, they just walk around Disney World, and you can watch them experience Disney World. And I'm thinking to myself, okay, that's fun to watch for a minute or two, but right. there, being there is the experience I want, not watching someone else be there. But that seems like where this whole thing is heading, that everything is going to be virtual so you don't have to actually experience anything yourself or do anything. We're yeah. just going to so, make it all fake. 
yeah, we're just going to be one big stupid video game. Yeah, what was that Jim Carrey movie? Um, oh, where ev- uh, where everything he, where he was in the TV show and every and Truman you know show. he didn't Truman Show. He's the only guy who didn't know that he was the show and right. nothing was really real. That's what I feel right. like we're heading towards. Yeah. Now here's a fun fact: um, Zuckerberg and his wife, their foundation, they bought a Canadian company um, a few years ago. Guess what its name was? Is actually. Meta. There you go. And they and they had the domain, so they're actually shutting out. That company exists. They own it, and Zuckerberg's own it now. But uh, they're shutting down that dom- that website, and the domain will be redirected to this new Facebook Meta venture. I will say we got to go to news break. I will say this about Mark Zuckerberg. I, I, I don't I, I don't feel comfortable with a lot of the stuff he does to begin with. But beyond that. A man that has that many hundreds of billions of dollars surely could afford to find one barber who could give him a decent haircut. He's not going to be the next James Bond, I can tell you that. Oh my goodness. That, like, come on, Mark. You can at least get a do. At least get a haircut. You know, anyway. Well, that's another topic for another day. Well, right, I'm we do have sure to... the hair will be much better in the meta, in the metaverse. It will, because you can choose whatever hair you want. Exactly. It's just a click away. Yeah. Now, okay, now that you've said that, maybe I do like this idea. Anyway, <laughs> another topic for another day. You're listening to the Scott Radley Show podcast on 900 CHML. Let's move on, though, to something else that's a toughie. And I talked about this this week, but, you know, Bob, I'm open to someone else's point of view on this one. I always am. But this weekend, the climate conference in Glasgow is kicking off. And I'm looking at this and seeing 25,000 people are flying into Glasgow to <laughs> argue a about a footprint. Is it like, it's not just me then. This seems to me to be totally hypocritical and idiotic and unnecessary and over the top and arguing and doing the exact opposite of what the elites are telling all the rest of us to do. Well, you know, Scott, billionaires will be billionaires. Yeah, the optics are pretty horrible and these yeah it's pretty tone deaf you know it's a huge environmental footprint and completely defeats the purpose but they have to do it because you know if greta was not there the world wouldn't know what to do and i'm being of well, course i'm being tongue-in-cheek but it just like i i said earlier this week you could send all the leaders of the 125 countries and a couple of their advisors and their security detail and we have the technology now where all the other advisors could be in touch with them by phone or Zoom or something else. So you still have yeah, a presence. We've, we've been in this pandemic thingy. We've been using Zoom. In fact, wasn't the G20? I mean, it looked ridiculous, but there's been, uh, you know, there's been major global conferences on Zoom. So there's no reason why they can't do that in the spirit of protecting the planet. Yeah. And again, I'm not arguing the leaders should not be there. I'm okay. I mean, leaders, are, they're supposed to get together at times and to have a couple or three advisors with them. I'm fine yeah. with that. But yeah. to, get to, 25, right, sure. people, to get to 25,000 people, to get to 25,000, that's a lot of advisors. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the baggage and yeah, completely unnecessary. I mean, there's just so much fat to trim there. You know, it, it, it's ridiculous. And, and, and other... really what, you know, gets accomplished. Well, that's the thing. And that's the other part about this. The other issue to me is 
we heard that China's leadership may make an appearance by Zoom, may make an appearance by Zoom. We don't know yet. But truthfully, if you get 25,000 people together from around the world, but China, that is probably the biggest polluter in the world. I think that's what they always say. If China doesn't yeah. participate, does this thing, does it do anything? Is there anything accomplished if you can't get the country that you most need to participate involved? What's the point? Well, yeah, true. But at the same time, there's uh, some big emitters that are at the table that aren't keeping up, you know, and we're not even meeting the Paris Accord commitments, you know, and they're hoping to refresh that at Glasgow if anything gets done. But so we're like three years behind in commitments. Yeah, I, I, I'm sorry. I just like, you know, I, I'm not arguing against a, a, a clean environment and all the rest. It's just that if you're going to then preach to the little people about how they should live and that they should be willing to pay more for heating oil and heating their homes and more to buy electric cars and more for this and more for that and you shouldn't travel and blah, blah, blah. Doing this is absolutely absolutely tone deaf to me anyway but. yeah it absolutely is and you know governments individual governments just have to uh knuckle down and you know keep to the commitments and you know technology is driving this thing you know technology will ultimately save the day in getting us off fossil fuels and uh you know we just we need investment there and just to ramp this up faster speaking of china um we do have the Olympics coming up in uh, February. We assume that our athletes are going, although there is discussion still not from the leaders, but in the periphery about whether there should be a boycott and all the rest. But this week, Canada's Olympic uniforms were oh, yeah. unveiled. Did you see these? Yes, they did. Very puffy with a lot of accessories. A little bit Zoolander. <laughs> a, little, a little Zoolander. And... Uh, again, maybe I'm reading too much into this, but considering they're going to China, you know, Canada is red and white. These are only red. They they kind of look like the Chinese team's uniforms. There's going to be mass confusion. They're just but, red. They're just solid yeah. layer solid upon red. layer upon layer of red. And there's so much going on there. Like I say, with the accessories and attached, sewed on bags and Big puff. I wouldn't want to be in a luge wearing one of those things. It's just an accident <laughs> waiting to happen. Well, it would be it would be padding if you wiped out. It would at I, least I, keep I, you safe. I suppose. Yeah, I think you'd catch things on the way down, though. Uh, probably, but no. I, I like I looked at these and I thought, like, okay, now to be fair. To be absolutely fair, I think every time Canada's Olympic uniforms lately have been released, we've shaken our heads. I mean, the the vandal are the the graffiti jean jackets that they wore in oh, Tokyo. Tokyo. Yeah, people yeah. kind of oh, thought I mean, All right. they were trying to be cool. Yeah, that was um, yeah, that was um, mixed reactions for sure on that one. You know, what my favorite was actually going back to the 2002 Salt Lake City, the roots. Yes, with the backwards yeah. hats, the yeah. pool boy hats, or whatever you called them. Yeah, like. They were those uniforms. Uh, those kits were cool, and uh, actually, they sold a lot after the Olympics. And the mittens in Vancouver, the Red Canada mittens that sold yeah, billions of fit. pairs. Yeah, and I almost wonder if now the company. So this is Lululemon, I think that is uh, that is doing this one. Uh, I almost wonder if now there's. Pardon me. Lululemon. Lululemon. Sorry. Well, yeah. What did I? Yeah. I, I don't even know what I said. Anyway, um, that I, I almost wonder if. 
there's such pressure now to replicate or to rise to the level of the mittens or the the hats yeah, that, that now they can't do it. No. <laughs> yeah. And it's Lululemon, so hopefully there's no recalls. Because you don't want any runs during the uh, lose, <laughs> you know, and, and anything revealing. Yeah. Was, uh, yeah. I, they had a problem with some see-through lycra or something. They did a few years ago, didn't they? Yeah, you you, you were doing your yoga, and uh, the person behind you was... Uh... <laughs> yeah. And yeah. you wouldn't want that happening in front of millions of viewers. Probably not. No, probably not. Although maybe that would make Canada the most interesting team there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe we should show what we got. No, I, uh, you know, the as I say, the uniforms. We're, I know we're always very hard on them because they have, they have at times. You're absolutely right. They have at times risen to the level of being the trailblazer in the world. And two that we've come up with that I, I absolutely think that was the case. The mittens were an enormous success. Those those Salt Lake City uniforms. Now go back a little further. And the Calgary Winter Olympics, and it looked like the winter outfits for the village people, quite honestly. It was not a, <laughs> a raging success. So, you know, we, there's been hits and there's been misses. I'm not sure. If, if, I, I'm not a fashion guru, Bob. Anyone who's seen me knows I'm oh, not yes, a fashion you are guy. No, 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 no. My, well, my wife. Just talk to my wife. She'll, she'll advise you that uh, any fashion I may have is only her doing. If I dress myself, it's uh, I am not working as a designer for Roots or Lulu or anyone else. But so I, maybe I'm not the perfect person to ask about this. But boy, I saw these uniforms as I say today or yesterday or whenever it was this week, and went, "That is just a." They must have been a sale on red fabric because that's all it is. <laughs> Surplus, yeah. But uh, yes, the uh, the coats they just uh, they take up a lot of real estate. That's for sure. Like. <laughs> those flights over they're going to be squishy seats when everybody's yeah. having to wear all their stuff yeah yeah i'm not sure if they well, can fit everybody fit everyone in when the opening ceremonies they're going to get stuck in the door with those coats if they are outside though because you know when they did the olympics in vancouver it was at bc place and it was indoor although they made it look like a winter scene so they were kind of warm if they're outside if nothing else canada's athletes will remain toasty because they are layer upon layer of puffiness. Oh, I've never seen so much layering. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> puffy is the takeaway there. They're just very, very puffy. Uh, whatever was wrong with just a Hudson's Bay sweater for them all the time with some red mittens? Just combine yeah. all the best of what we've done in the past. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah. And how Canadian is that? Sure. Have that and, or, or have everybody dressed like Bob and Doug McKenzie. <laughs> yeah, you could pitch that. And by the way, I've got uh, Dave Thomas in the show on Mondays and I throw in a shameless plug for morning live. Actually, we're going to be, be broadcasted later, David. Dave Thomas is coming up. Actually, I think we're, it's airing on Tuesday, but he's got a book out. So we're going to be talking about that. I, I hope Here, you I, will ask him to do the Bob and Doug McKenzie. Coo -coo -coo -coo, do that one when he's on there. Well, if I do, I'll have to mention your name. I'll say, I'm doing this for Scott Radley. <laughs> we suggested that the Canadian Olympic garb look like Bob and Doug McKenzie. So can you give yeah. us the little song to go with it when we, when yes. we throw the idea? That'll, yeah, that'll, that'll Speaking of CHCH, let's jump around here a bit in the, in the time we have left. Speaking of CHCH, I was up uh, in the area of where your new building is going to be the other day. Oh, and drove by. Corners? 
when do you guys get into the new building? Oh, we're looking at, uh, well, you know what? The date is forever changing with the darn COVID. You know, um, like everything else, you know, construction was slowed up in our fabulous new studios. Uh, we're in a temporary location across the street from the new studios. So uh, as often as we can, we pop over and have a sneak peek at how they're coming along. And wow, like we can't wait to get in. They look amazing. So, but I, I'm hearing sometime in December, but stay tuned. For those who don't know where this is, uh, it is if you drive up Highway 6 on your way towards Guelph and you hit the Tim Hortons right before Highway 5 and hang a left, it's right in behind the Tim Hortons there. Yes, that's right. Yeah. So come on by and say hi. (laughs) That Tim Hortons is probably the happiest Tim Hortons in all the land that a media corporation has moved in right behind it. They, They have got to be loving this. Oh, and of course, there's a regular pipe. There's a pipeline straight from that Tim Hortons to us because that's what fuels Morning Live. <laughs> no kidding. That that's what I'm saying. That they they probably should have a conveyor, an underground conveyor belt built in, just running coffee and cr- and crawlers. Yeah, nonstop. A pipeline, just an underground pipeline or something. I don't know. Yeah, well, you know what? In in five years from now, after you've been in that building for five years with that pipeline, we'll tune in and you and Annette will both be 80 pounds heavier just due to that pipeline <laughs> of coffee and donuts. But hey, it will, well, maybe not Annette. Um, <laughs> no. <laughs> but but, but me no, for it, sure. That looks like, I mean, the, from what I've seen from the, I've seen a few pictures from inside and stuff. I mean, it looks like it is going to be a, a, a pretty snazzy new building. Yeah, it, you know, Scott, it really is exciting. Um, like everything, top to bottom, just state of the art, you know, and the, and the brand new TV station smell to go with it. So, yeah, it's uh, pretty exciting. And we can do things that we couldn't do before with bigger studio space. And uh, it, it's just such a, an, an exciting refresh. And yeah, just can't wait. No, I am, I am sure. All right, uh, got time for one more. And that is this uh, Sunday. Sunday, yeah. Sunday is Halloween. The kids will be coming to the door. But let's forget about the kids for a second. Let's go back to Bob Cowan childhood. On the pecking order of candy when you would go out for Halloween. Yeah. What was it the what was the what was the Bob Cowan top of the pecking order, top of the food chain candy when you would get it in on Halloween? Oh, you know what? I think maybe my favorite was the little arrow bars and the Mars bars. What? All right. No, well, uh, those are good ones. Those Nothing are wrong with, the, with that answer. Uh, see, the, the, I think the real top of the pecking order, and you would probably agree with this, if you could actually, if you could somehow stumble upon the home that was giving out the full-size chocolate bars, yes, that, that was Nirvana. That yes. was, rarely happened, rarely happened, but if you could, that was like the greatest thing ever. That was like score. Yeah, Absolutely. But, uh, yeah, I used to jam my Batman utility belt as much as I could with those little arrow bars. The flip side, if you went to the house and the old, usually older, I hate to say it, but usually older woman or older gentleman would drop in the homemade popcorn ball. That was at the <laughs> op- complete opposite end of the thing. That was the, oh, are you kidding? Let's make a, let's make a note of this house so we don't come back next year. The homemade popcorn ball is. Yeah. I used to hate, oh, an apple. Thank you. 
apples yes apples which even if you even if you liked apples your mom or dad would never let you eat them because that was at the height of the razor blade in the apple scare oh my gosh i know yeah 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 but plus it's a very boring halloween treat even well, it's safe Yes, and I saw that your co-host, I saw Annette today on Twitter in a discussion because the other thing that I put at the absolute bottom, maybe even below apples, maybe even below homemade popcorn balls, are those, I don't even know, nondescript, indescribable, gray, formless, hardish, chewy things that are wrapped in Halloween colored wrappers, but uh, no one actually knows what they are supposed to be. They, they're kind of sweet, but not mystery really sugar. mystery candy. Where do you even buy those? I've never seen them in a store. They just appear. I probably uh, recognize it to see it, but I'm not sure if I ever had one of those. The, I, I believe someone said they're made from molasses. Oh, oh. I know now you know. Now. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Brutal. They That's don't really have a definable taste. No. They're just... Where was that factory? Where, were they, where did they come out of? <laughs> that was that was the North Korean candy factory. <laughs> yes, it was. <laughs> yeah, we had a surplus hey, of molasses. <laughs> we have a surplus of molasses, so we're going to whip up some candy for those North American kids that they're going to hate. <laughs> Who knew it was their major export? <laughs> it probably is and then and then right above them or right around them is the loose handfuls of of uh candy corn which i don't mind the candy corn but it's always unsettling when you've just got loose items floating around in the bottom of the bag that for all we know you know the person who threw it in there with their bare hand who knows where their <laughs> hand has been i know you know but it's why we have great immune systems now <laughs> our generation oh my god yeah, the crack, some the of those crack we ate and touched. Yeah, no, it's it's it is amazing that um, it's amazing that we're all alive, isn't it? With the stuff that it we really ate, is <laughs> that we drank from water from from outdoor hoses that have lead in it, and oh yeah, no, I don't know. Well, <laughs> this is all this is all advice for people at home yeah. to remember: don't but unless you hate children, don't buy those brownish grayish whatever candies nobody wants those and yeah. don't put something out, in... yeah i mean you grew up uh, eating that stuff and drinking out of you know lead water out of hoses and look at you now look how healthy you look you clearly i i've been in my basement long enough that you haven't seen me in a while to know how healthy i look <laughs> have you been out to the light at all like have you left when, when was the last time you left the house guy um well, I was out today briefly, but, uh, you know, as far as, you know, and, and the summer was great. We were out in the summer, but we're, we're back into the time now when it's just, all right, let's pack it in and, uh, get ready for another winter in the home. Yeah. 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 We're in the same mode here. And the really disappointing part about that is that our kids now have reached the point they're older. There is no candy being delivered to us by our children that when they go to sleep that we can pilfer all the mars bars and arrow bars out of there and yeah. leave them with the other stuff we are we now have to buy our own goods yeah yeah we're in the same spot that's so disappointing that was always the yeah. highlight yeah but if you can hook me up with some of that molasses stuff 
<laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure. You know what? Anyone listening, if your kids bring home those molasses candies, put them in a wrapper and send them to CHCH TV, care of Bob Count. Yeah. <laughs> see if we can it get several thousand pounds. It probably still has a good purpose today, like, I don't know, weather surfing or something. Well, Ben is telling me in my ear as we go here that, that those things, I, I, I probably shouldn't have said, those things are made in Canada. Those those candies oh, are actually ben not in Googling. North Korea. Oh, yeah. really? Canadian proud. Well, so that's... Um, we take all that back. They are the most delicious candies out there. Yes, I'll, <laughs> I'll, I'll find Canadian treat for a Halloween tradition. <laughs> Send them all to Bob Cowan. Send a yeah. thousand pounds of nondescript gray candies to Bob Cowan and see yeah. how many he can eat on Monday morning show while he's interviewing Dave Thomas. Yeah. You know, I'm gonna I'm gonna load up on it. I'm gonna right after this show, I'm gonna load up on them and then hand them out tomorrow night. Perfect. You can be that guy. <laughs> Bob Cowan, as I say, host of Morning Live on CHH. You can see him Monday morning, Tuesday with Dave Thomas, who was was he Bob or was he Doug? I think he was Bob. Oh, that's a good Canadian trivia question. There you go. You should ask him if he remembers. Yeah, um, yeah he may not. Bob always, well, this Bob. See, you yeah, should, uh-huh. of all the people who should know, it should be you. Bob Cowan, yeah. not Bob McKenzie. We do appreciate that. Thanks for doing this today. I always love having you on the show. Oh, love being on the show. Thank you, Scott. That is Bob Cowan. He will be the guy handing out the gray nondescript candies and talking to. Well, Bob or Doug McKenzie, I'm not sure which one it is. Dave Thomas, next week. Tune in for that one as well. The Scott Radley Show. Weekday evenings from 6 to 8 on 900 CHML. The Scott Radley Show podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Scott Radley. Thanks again for listening, and do not forget to subscribe to this podcast. It is free. You will never miss an episode. And also, be sure you rate us and review us Whatever you think of us, we'll take it. Thanks for listening.